I've seen God move when it seemed impossible. I have you. I have. I've seen God move in ways that is beyond what I can possibly fathom. Have you? My mother-in-law has been on death's bed for four years, and many times over those four years, God has showed up because the doctors, with all their knowledge and wisdom, said she ain't going to make it. Get everybody here. It ain't going to happen. She was in the hospital this past week. Had to have help just to scoot out of bed and get on a potty chair. Well, yesterday... She was up getting stuff to make soup. Yes. And she might die before the service is over this morning, but I do know for a fact that God Almighty is powerful. He's on the throne and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The devil has no right in our lives. He has no right to come in and to try to keep us from worshiping and praising our God. He has no right to come in and keep us from reading our Bibles and praying to our God. He has no right. I went into the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Because he is nothing but a thief. He comes to kill steal, and to destroy. He hates every one of us. That's what he sets out to do. And it baffles me how Christians, who God is seeing them through every step of the way, we get weary sometimes. I do. How about anybody else? Anybody else get weary? It's easy to get weary when our flesh is calling the shots. Did you hear what I just said? I'll repeat it for you. It's easy to get weary when the flesh is ruling over the spirit man. It's easy to look around at circumstances and think God ain't on the throne. It's easy to point fingers and to blame people, isn't it? Don't we do that? Ain't we bad for that in America? It's easy to do that and say, well, God just ain't powerful. Well, i got news for you this morning. Our God is so powerful that he will do despite you and me. Our God is so powerful that if he says death is not coming, it ain't coming because he overcome. He has no power in our lives except what we give to him. And the thing that happens is, is many times we hide from reality of looking in the mirror at ourselves. With what he shows us in his word, with what he teaches us, and everything that he reveals to us, everything that he reveals to us, we either embrace it or we turn it away. We either obey or we disobey. Amen? 
Pretty simple, isn't it? In Romans chapter 8 and verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Anybody got living today, right now you walk around and there ain't no peace in your life. Anybody? Pick a topic. Something's robbing peace from us. Isn't it? What did the Bible just tell us? What did he just teach us there? That's carnal mindedness. Because if we got peace, that's the spirit working in us. Pick a topic. It doesn't matter. Find one. Something's robbing peace. That's because the carnal man is in control. The carnal man is looking at things the way the carnal man looks at things. How many of us know our country's in trouble? In what way? Well, finances are bad and people still hating each other. They've been hating each other since the beginning of time. Worse now than it was in the 60s. Well, I guess. It's been going on since the beginning of time. Because of the carnal mindedness. Our God is powerful. Is our country in trouble? Then who do we turn to? Okay, when we turn to him, what do we got to do? We got to obey him. Yeah, we listen to him. We read our Bibles. Man, I, I can quote scriptures. But if I don't put it into action, then nothing happens. I just got a lot of knowledge. Let's go to uh, 2 Timothy verse 3 and 1. Uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Now before I read that, I'm going to say to the, you this morning, we can hide from reality, but you know what? Reality is still there, right? Now, Claudius, just, just in a second, I want you to answer me, okay? I'm still pretty big, but can you see me? Now, does reality change as to whether I'm here or not? Does it? I'm still here. Whether you can see me or not. So many times, God reveals things to us. And yet we refuse to take the word, put it in our hearts, and put it into action. Folks, we have to be doing the book. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3 and 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come for the men. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Put a mark on that one. You want to know what the problem is in America today and most churches in America today? That one right there. It's the last days, folks. Slanderers, put a mark on that one. We'll run somebody down in a heartbeat if they don't act according to what we think. Without self-control, that goes back to the other two. Brutal, despisers of God, traitors, headstrong, put a mark on that one. That's called stubborn. Haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Look around you this morning at all the empty seats. Why are they not filled up? Is it lovers of pleasure or lovers of God? 
define it? Is it the lake? Is it the golf course? Is it the preacher? Is it the Sunday school teacher? Is it the lighting? Is it the job? What is it? That would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God because our God saved us. And when he saved us, we belong to him. You're bought with a price. You didn't come by yourself. It didn't happen all of our own. What we got, we got from God because of who he is and for the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. Gave us the pinnacle. Let us know exactly what love is. And he came and he gave his life for us and said, you get to make the choice. We're sitting here today in a church and there's churches all up and down this road. There's churches all across this state that people are sitting in churches or not sitting in churches who have forgotten the fact that God said, you can have it or you cannot have it. It's up to you. It's free will. We get the free will to choose whether or not we're going to worship, whether or not we're going to praise, whether or not we're going to pray, whether or not we're going to study the Word of God. We're free to choose. We're free to choose whether or not that Word can come into our hearts and do something in our lives, but it has to be applied. I already know they told me a couple weeks ago that 25% of you don't care less what I got to say this morning. That's the statistics. And yes, it's funny, but it's also sad. God called me into ministry to give to you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And I got news for you. I ain't going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, what's in the Word of God. And you either let it come in or you don't let it come in. But if you don't let it come in, then disaster will strike in your home. It will strike in your life. You've got to let the Word of God come in. You've got to let everything that He has in here because it is the road map. It's the road map of who we are as children in Christ. Where was I? Lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. You see, when we deny the powers, when we hear the Word of God and the Word of God doesn't get to come in and do anything in our life, therefore we are denying the power of the Word. How many of you know the Word is powerful? Amen? That's how people get saved. That's how people grow in their lives is by the Word of God. And whenever the Word comes in and the Spirit comes in, then we can grow. Amen? Denying its power and from such people turn away. Now that's quite a command, isn't it? Now what does that say to me? Does that say I don't have to have anything to do with you? Or you don't have to have anything to do with me? Is that what that's saying, Brother Willie? No, that's exactly right. You don't get involved in their business that's not right. That's what it means. You don't turn away from nobody because everybody deserves to hear the truth. Everybody deserves Jesus Christ. Everybody deserves the Holy Spirit growing them. But you just don't get caught up in their junk. That's what it's talking about. That's Ken's interpretation anyway. Matthew Henry might tell you something different. I don't know. But he ain't here. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Here's the scripture I want you to see. Verse 7. This is the one we're going to go on this morning. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
A question that's going around and it's big time in our world today. It's big time in our, in our community. It's big time in our own church. It's big time everywhere. Is when, when should I leave a church? Look around you today. People have left. Well, we got something to help out here. Now, this is where we get to help. When should I leave? How bad does it have to get before I leave? I got a question for you. Who put you here? What did we learn last week? You're placed here according to as he pleased, not as we pleased, it's as he pleased. You see, we get offended by all kinds of things and then we start taking matters into our own hands and we don't do the book, what the book tells us. We're going to learn what the book says. God puts you where you're at. And if God sent you, then you don't, really, you don't leave until God tells you that you leave. You don't go somewhere else until God tells you to go somewhere else. And when he tells you, you best go. If you go without his blessing, without his telling, then what are you now? You are out of the will of God. What happens if you're out of the will of God? Well, he certainly is not going to do any blessing. You're going to be walking alone is what's going to happen with you. And you know what? The devil wants exactly that to happen in your life today. He wants you walking away. He wants you being away. He wants you separated and called from the herd. Why? Because he wants you. He hates you. And he hates every one of us too. And so we don't need to be getting ourselves up in all kinds of other business and things like that. But if, if God's not telling us to do something, then we've got to sit and wait for God to do what he's going to do. Amen? You've got to hold on to him, you know, because he knows what he's doing. There was a fellow that built a big old boat a long time ago. It never rained, but they said it was going to rain and flood. He had not a clue what they were talking about. He believed in it so much that it took him over 100 years to build the thing. Linda was on it. Oh, let me rephrase that. Linda was on the replica that they made in Kentucky a few weeks ago. I'm getting all kinds of good stuff out of that. She's storing it up for me. Now, if I'd have said that to somebody else this morning, they'd have got all upset and there'd have been all kinds of phone calls going on and the devil would have slipped right in on somebody, but me and Linda, we're good, ain't we? Amen. So we leave when God instructs us. We go where God instructs us to go, day in and day out, each and every day. Isaiah 55 and 12 says, For you should go out with joy and be led out with peace. You see, when it's time to go somewhere, it's not going to be over circumstances. Your departure will not be based on the actions or behaviors of others, but rather on the Spirit's leading. So leaving a church or leaving a relationship is not based on how bad things are. If it is, I can tell you now that you're facing a bad situation because God is doing something in your life. He's trying to grow us when we face stuff. And he trying to grow us when we get sick. Ain't he trying to build our faith? Juanita, my faith is built up because of prayer that went out. I know that God's still listening. We got to see Carl Hogan's brother out here last night. A hundred days ago, we're praying for this man because he's on death's door. They're calling everybody in. And I looked at him last night, standing out here in this parking lot, talking with people like nothing was wrong. A hundred days later, don't tell me, prayer don't make a difference. Why? Because God said it ain't time yet. I'm going to move. 
And so we have to hang on to God. We have to hang on with everything that's in us because the devil wants to shake us off. To leave in an offended or critical spirit is not the plan of God. That's something that's called reaction rather than guidance. How many of us do a reactionary move in our lives? Raise my hand because I've got to fix myself every day on that one. Every day. Reacting rather than following the Spirit's guidance. Romans 8 verse 14, For as many as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Notice it doesn't say, For as many as react to difficult situations are the sons of God. It doesn't say that. It says those that are led by the Spirit are called the sons of God. I'm going to give you a couple of terms this morning. Technon and weos. That's the two words used for children or sons. Technon is one who was born by, you know, they're a son just by the fact that they were birthed. They were born. Romans 8 and 16 says, The Spirit himself witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. That's the word technon that fits in there. When a person receives Jesus Christ as Lord, he is a child of God by the simple fact that he's born again. If you're born again this morning, you are a son of God. You're a child of God. Technon. But I'm going to explain those words for you this morning. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, But as many received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. Now the other word that's used there to talk about these sons and these children is a word called weos. And it's one that can be identified because the son displays the characteristics of his parents. Now Ryan back there, come up here Ryan real quick. Real quick, son. They want to go eat lunch in 20 minutes. You reckon this is my boy? When I was about 100 pounds lighter, that's how I looked. I wasn't that tall. He's already taller than me. But you see, a technon boy is this. Ryan is my son because he came from me and Sweetie. Okay? Whether he wants to be or not, this is my son. Now let's turn that around to you. Whether you want to be or not, if you said yes to Jesus by your new birth, you're his. Which makes us brothers and sisters. Okay? Now, he's got some mannerisms like me. I feel sorry for you, buddy. I'm sorry, but this is how it goes. But see, he ain't a little baby no more. When y'all first met Ryan, he was like a year old. That's when we first came to church. Y'all remember that? All them goldfish over there laying in the floor around the front seat where we used to sit? He did it. Now let me ask you something. Because those goldfish laid on the floor, was he worth throwing out? No, he wasn't. That means work a little harder and clean it up. He's now cleaning the church so God gets even. <laughs> Don't y'all be throwing those goldfish down on the floor and make it work harder. 
But you see something that happens though? He's getting older, but he's also growing in his spirit man. You see what I'm talking about? Now he's maturing. And one of the ways that he matures is he goes through difficult situations. You and I did it. You and I do it spiritually. That's how you grow. That's how your character is formed. And who better than our loving God to put us in situations? You're facing a situation now? Then start asking God what he's doing rather than to tell him to change because I got news for you. The Bible says he changes not. That means we have to get on board with the Lord. Okay? Now when he goes through difficult situations, Sweetie and I do the best that we can to counsel him, to direct him, to help him. Kind of like what I'm doing this morning as the pastor. You understand? Kind of like I do sometimes maybe sitting in some of you's living room or around a table or outside on a picnic table or wherever. It's counseling and it comes from the word of God and that's how we are able to grow. So situations come because God says, I'm turning you into what I want you to be. Okay? Thank you, brother. Your daddy's here. Thank you, son. He's a good drummer. That's the difference in those terms. You see, we're not called to grow up and be babies our whole life, right? You never see a baby that's two years old and six feet tall. Anybody ever seen one? No. I'm going there. I see what you read. I'm reading your mind right now. I had a Jesus moment. I'm perceiving your thoughts. You see, this scripture shows us clearly that as mature sons who are led by the Spirit of God, immature Christians are less likely to follow the leading of the Spirit of God. Most often they react or respond emotionally or intellectually to circumstances they face. They have not yet learned to act on the Spirit's leading of God only. Don't we see that a whole lot in our world? Man, I've done it, and I'm probably still going to do some more. But that's where we try to do the thing that we can grow. You see, what we do with Ryan and raising him, and he deals with situations, we give him counsel, and, his, and the counsel we give him is what helps him to grow. Hebrews 5 and 8 says, Though he was a son, that's a weos word, meaning he's mature, he, he's, he's got the characteristics of, it says, Though he was a son, yet he, that's Jesus is talking about, learned obedience by the things that he suffered if you're suffering things understand that God is teaching us something called obedience now physical growth is a function of time Ryan used to be this big 14 years later almost 15 years later he's this big and he eats a lot but intellectual growth is a function of learning. We experience things. Tell the baby it's hot. Baby don't believe you. Baby gets burned, gets a blister, squeals for three days. Baby don't go back touch that because baby understands the word hot. That's how we're to be when we listen to God. God's saying, stay away from that. That's trouble. Stay away from that. That's trouble. And yet we keep going back to it. And we keep going back to it. And we keep going back to it. And God's saying, that's nothing I can do for you. 
There's no other way but to do it my way. My way is to show you to stay away from the place of trouble. Spiritual growth has nothing to do with neither time nor with learning, but it's simply a function of obedience. That's how we grow spiritually is by obeying our God. 1 Peter 4 and 1 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. We've got to be like Him. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You get that? If you've suffered in the flesh, you'll cease from sin. You learn not to touch it, it's hot. You learn not to walk down this trail because there's trouble. So we take on the mind that Jesus took on, which that's what the Bible says, that that's how he got it, by his obedience. See, a person who has ceased from sin is perfectly obedient, is a perfectly obedient child of God. He is mature. He chooses God's ways, not his own. Just as Jesus learned obedience by suffering by the things he suffered, we learn obedience by the difficult circumstances that we face. When we obey the word of God that is spoken by the Holy Spirit, now, okay, how do you do that? Well, do you, did you know who to marry and what job to take? That ain't in the Bible. The Bible never told me to marry, sweetie. It's the Spirit of God that you listen to. And when we do that, we will grow grow and mature in the times of conflict and suffering. You see, there's a misconception going on. I need you to sink this into your spirit. And what I'm about to say, I'm not saying don't learn the Bible. Learn it front and backwards in every language that you possibly can. Know the Bible. But you see, for this obedience thing to happen, it's not our knowledge of the scripture that's the key it's obedience that's how we apply it to our life now what I've just told you we understand now why we have people in the church who have been Christians for 20 years they can quote verses frontwards and backwards from four different versions of the Bible they know what chapters they are they can pull a Bible out of their pocket turn to Isaiah 2 in one flip I mean they've got it all down They've heard thousands of sermons. They've read a whole lot of books. They've been to all kinds of conferences, and yet they still wear spiritual diapers. Because they're technons and not huesos. They're not mature. They've never grown. They've never applied it. They've never had the obedience. See, every time that we meet with difficult situations, rather than responding by the Spirit, most of those people will seek to protect themselves in their own way. Therefore, they're always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, the knowledge don't come just by learning it and experiencing it. it, It's by living it. That's how we get the knowledge of the truth, is by living what the Word of God gives us. They never come to the knowledge of truth because they never apply it. Truth must be allowed to have its way in our lives if we're going to grow and mature. See, it's not enough to give mental assessment. to the Word of God without obeying it. Even though we continue to learn, we never mature because we're disobedient. That's why we got 20-year-old Christians, got 11,000 pins because of all the things they've done in the church, showed up for this, did that, did this, did that, did this, did that. The list goes on and on and on. But they'll fall at the drop of a hat when the first sign of trouble comes. Because they never put the obedience 
part into it. Folks, we've just got to do the book. A common excuse for self-preservation for most people Road disobedience is something called offense. How many of you are sitting here today that are offended? Don't raise your hands unless you want to. But I can tell you now, if you don't face that offense before you leave here today, you walk out the same way you came in. Still carrying the bonds and the bags and the chains, still tied up. Because we don't obey the word of God. There's a false sense of self protection and harboring an offense. It keeps us from seeing our own character flaws because the blame is always put on someone else. You never have to face your role, your immaturity or your, or your sin because you see only the faults of the offender. And therefore God's attempt to develop character in us, in you, in me, by this opposition that comes our way has now been abandoned. We don't want to have anything to do with it. The offended person will avoid the source of the offense. They'll avoid the source of the offense and then eventually they die. They become a spiritual vagabond, a wanderer. That's what happens with offense. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? We've seen a lot of people come through these doors since I've been pastoring. And they'll always come and say, you know what? They did this over there. I didn't like that. Pastor such and such was this. They've got to explain it. They've got to defend it. And usually we're happy because they're here. And we're praying, oh, let's just help them to grow. But the first thing we've got to do with those folks, we've got to tell them how to deal with that offense because it won't be long until those names will now be our names. And then they're a vagabond, a wanderer. And then they go over to the next place. And then they go over to the next place. And the whole time Satan is attacking. And the whole time Satan is getting into their family. The whole time Satan is doing everything that he can to destroy the word of God. And it's as simple as obeying the word of God. That's where spiritual growth comes. So when we have an attack that comes our way, he's gave us the way of escape. He's told us how to do it. We just have to put it in to action. So you can have offense in your heart which leads to hurt. And eventually it goes to bitterness. And finally it will go to the place of hatred and it will destroy you if you don't deal with it. And that's exactly the devil's plan. You understand? That's exactly what he wants to do. We say, search me, O Lord, and see if there's any wicked way in me. And God says, that's what I was doing. Because the hard feelings you got is the wicked way that's sitting inside of you. That's what I was doing. You understand? This is to help you to grow. Okay? Charlie will preach next week and he'll get you up shouting and, and doing everything. But I want you to have practical stuff. I want you to leave away from here today not carrying what you came in with. And that's the choice that we all have. God says, I've got the way. Take my hand. Let me help you. God says, that's exactly what I was doing. Let me tell you a little story real quick. There were some people back in the 1800s, and they left the town, a bunch of them, probably 20 of them, a bunch of covered wagons and all kinds of animals, animals. 
And they rolled in up to this town, and there was an old guy sitting just outside town. Got a little shack over there, and you know the road goes by him, so he knows everything, right? So they show up to this fellow's house. And they said, hey, sir, what's it like down in that town? And he answers them with a question. What was it like where you came from? And they're like, oh, my goodness, you, I'm going to tell you now, that was the awfulest place. Bunch of gossips, people always stealing from you and slandering you, doing all kinds of stuff, never was happy for nothing. We couldn't wait to get out of there. And he looked at them and he said, it's just like that down there. They thanked him and they moved on further west to find another place. A few days later, another group of people come through. There's about 20 of them also, a bunch of covered wagons and animals and all this, and they roll up on this road and they come across this old man and they said, Hey, sir, what's it like down in that town? And he answered them the same way. He said, What was it like where you came from? And they said, Oh, it was lovely. People always sharing their food. We always picnic together. Church was wonderful and great. Everything was wonderful. You had a project. Everybody showed up. You got it done. We had a hard time leaving, but we just felt compelled to go to make way and to forge this pioneer way and to make a way for future generations. But, man, we really hated to leave it. You know what the old guy told him? It's the same way down in this town here. And they rejoiced and they set up camp and they stayed in that town. It was all about their perspective. You see, how they used their, viewed their past relationship was exactly how they came into the new one. And that old man knew it. See, if you don't deal with the stuff and you don't deal with the junk, it's the same thing over there. You remember what I, I used to tell you, you know, all these people get locked up for drugs. Well, I'm getting out of here, man. This place is bad. No, the place ain't bad, and the people you're hanging with ain't necessarily bad. What's going on is right here. Because there's going to be some more of those kind of people and those kinds of things over in the next town. You can't escape it, not until you deal with what's sitting here. So has anything got you weighted down this morning? Is anything keeping you from peace? Anything keeping you from that life-giving Blood, anything that's keeping you from that, 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 that life that Christ promised so abundantly is anything. I don't care what you put on it. You don't like the carpet. The problem sits in here. It's not the carpet. You understand? The problem sits right here. It's not the guy over on the other side of the church you ain't spoke to in 25 years because of an offense. The problem is right here because you've never went to that person to try to make it right. You understand? We don't want to have the conversations and yet, search me, O Lord, and see if there's any wicked way in me. And God says, I've been showing you. You refuse to see it. Here's one for you, folks. Whatever curveball. You might have been watching the World Series playoffs. Has the Yankees won yet or not, or they play tonight? I don't know. Astros beat them? Boo! Boo! <laughs> well, see, now that's not division. That's a difference. We can make that a di division, but it's a difference. But the same pitch that the guy threw you to strike you out in the second inning, he will throw again when you come up in the fourth or the fifth inning. 
because you can't hit it. And if you don't learn how to hit it, our lives, we will spend the next 40 years stumbling over the same kind of stuff. Pick a church, pick a preacher, pick an atmosphere, whatever upset you there will eventually get you over there. It's that simple. If you don't deal with it how God says. Here's a, th- here's a quick thought for you. If you don't have forgiveness, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Now, I don't know what your background is. If you're Pentecostal, Methodist, Baptist, we all got different thoughts on that one. But the point is, the Baptist folks usually say, well, they walked away because they never had it. Okay, I get that. I can go with that. The Pentecostals say, well, you got saved and then you backslid and now you're not saved anymore. And you go back and you get baptized again and you go 50 times as you stumble and fall. I'm not making fun here. I'm talking like how it is. I've got people in this church in six years that baptized four times. The point is, is it's a stumbling block that the devil puts. And when we receive forgiveness from Jesus, he says, freely you have received grace, freely you've received mercy, freely you've received forgiveness, then freely you must give it. Because in those days, there will be those that will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and they'll pull their list out of everything they've done, and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Because we came across something hard, didn't deal with it the way he said, i.e. forgiveness, and you just separated yourself. So either A, you either would not never saved, or you backslid. I'll let y'all work that one out yourself. Both of them are right, I guess, because the point is, at that moment, God put you through a test and a fire. The impurities came to the top, and you didn't deal with them. I've told you before, we go around searching for people to help us in our misery. And you can find them, and boy, they can quote scriptures too. But I'm going to tell you now, that's not what the Bible teaches us. John chapter 20 and verse 23 says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. You see, if you leave a relationship resentful and embittered, you will enter into the next relationship with the same attitude. It'll just be easier to leave the next time that something happens and and problems arise in that relationship. See, we're not only dealing with the hurts that we got now, we're dealing with the one that we had four years ago or five years ago or ten years ago or last week for that matter because it never got dealt with and that's the problem. That's the thing that will happen. In marriage, it says 60 to 65% of divorced people end up getting divorced again after remarrying. That's the statistic. Why? Because they didn't deal with this. How in the world can you go from the place of love and intimacy to the place of hatred in a few days or a few weeks. It doesn't happen if forgiveness shows up, right? It doesn't happen if the love of God shows up. That doesn't happen because we get to the place. Most of the time we can do our own things and we can walk away. Elijah, a great prophet of God, he allowed discouragement and threats to to make him stumble. Can I let you know something? Listen to this. i got a minute. Listen to this. 
Elijah had just called down rain because God told him. Remember that? Flooded the, flooded the pit and all the wood and all of a sudden it ignited when they called down rain. He destroyed the prophets of Baal. There was a lady by the name of Jezebel. Old Jezebel can't keep her nose out of nothing. She's always stirring up junk. And she says, I'm coming after you. I'm going to get you. Now this guy had just witnessed the power of God and yet he was scared to death and he took off running. And he went for 40 days and 40 nights. God even sent some angels to feed him some cakes so he can make the journey to Mount Horeb. And when he gets there, what does God ask him? What are you doing here? Now that's a silly question, isn't it? God provided the way for him to go, but he's saying, why are you here? Because he was scared to death of this woman, and he, did, he wouldn't trust God enough. That's why he was there. He even asked God to kill him. He wanted to die. All because of this crazy woman. I would say man, but her name was Jezebel. So there, it can be either one. He, he's or she's. So what did God tell him to do? God actually let him get out of what his plan was. He said, you go on back through the wilderness of Damascus. You find Jehu and Elisha and you anoint them. Now we know that through their ministry, Jehu and Elisha, we know that Jezebel was destroyed. See, God's plan was that Jezebel was going to be destroyed. What happened with the plan? He meant for Elijah to do it. Elijah ran from it. And many times when we do things like that, we call it the will of God. But it ain't. Because if we harbor this stuff in our, in our spirits, it's not the will of God. He's still going to get it done. He'll just use these other guys. Go and anoint them since you're not going to do it, since you don't have the backbone to handle it and not trust me enough. Then you go right ahead. I'll let you go. But you still have to deal with what's sitting in your heart. And he was scared to death. He was, he was, he was a chicken. Balaam, you remember Balaam? He wanted to curse Israel and they was going to give him some money. God said no. Balaam turned right around, asked him again. God said go. But the Bible says that God's anger was aroused toward Balaam. He let him have what he wanted, but it wasn't his will. You're dealing with stuff now. You might be facing something now. Understand this. It is the will of God. The devil does not have that power. We like to say, oh, the devil did this, the devil did that. He don't get to do anything unless God says okay. And if you're dealing with a situation, you're dealing with an issue, understand this. God knows all about it, and he's trying to teach us something. He's trying to take us to a place to where we can grow. We can pester the Lord enough regarding something to which he has already shown us what his will is, but we just don't want to do that. He'll allow us to do what we want, even though it's against his original plan, and even if it's in our best interest. That's how much your God loves you. Understand that. So don't put God's name or God's will on everything. We have to know. We have to live what the book says. Often God's plan causes us to face hurts and attitudes that we don't want to face. 
And yet we always run from the very thing that he's using to make us stronger. You know what I'm talking about? And it's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take a lot of, it's going to take a lot of everything inside of us to hang on to God. See, love forgets wrongs so that there's hope for the future. I've just been ministering with this couple over here. It's getting my, oh, no, she done got raptured. I thought she was over there. <laughs> she done left. She ain't got married yet. <laughs> See, if you've truly overcome an offense, you will earnestly seek to make peace. The time may not happen immediately. It may not seem right. But in our hearts, we're looking for the chance and the opportunity to make peace. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love keeps no record of wrong. To do anything other than that is being disobedient to the word of God. And that's where the devil likes to slip in. You see, I used to work, and I've got answering reports from 1989. Because they taught me that a short pencil... It's better than a long memory, just in case I ever get called back to court for anything, because some of them people be in jail forever. But that's my memory. It's a record. It's a re recorded account of what happened so that I can pull it back up if I need to. Because there's a lot of incidents. You know, 10 a day sometimes, sometimes 15, 25 years ago. You think I'm going to remember everything about it? No. I had to make good notes. See, love says we don't do that. Love says we don't keep a record of wrongs. If you're keeping a record of wrong, today is your chance to come and let God help you to get rid of that because it's got you stuck in the mud and the trap's got you by the leg and the chain's only that long. And you can do godly things, but yet not have God's Spirit leading. You can have all the knowledge in the world from the Word of God, but never... Or having that, having a learning, but never having the knowledge of the truth. That's what can happen to us. Once a dog has been scalded by boiling water, he'll be afraid of cold water too. And that's what happens many times to us. I wonder if there's anybody here today that's been burned and they're afraid to forgive. Jesus desires to heal our wounds, folks. And he gave us everything we need in the Bible. But we often don't let him heal us because it's not the easiest road to take. I'm going to tell you now, it's not easy. It's not easy. But it is a path of humility and self-denial that leads to healing and spiritual maturity. You don't face that, then you don't grow spiritually. You can go to church a million times a week if you want to. It doesn't change anything. Get another preacher. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything. What's sitting inside of you is there. Change anything you want about this place. What's sitting is here. And if you go to another place or another set of people come in, you still got the same stuff sitting in your heart. And the devil says, it's right where I want you. And God says, that's not my will. That's not my will for you. I wanted you to have abundant life. See, pride can't travel on this path. Only those who desire to have peace at the risk of rejection 
It's a trail that leads to humiliation and abasement. Folks, that's the road that leads to life. I'm going to read you one more scripture and I'm done. Go to 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. Manning got it up. Is it dead? That's fine. We quote this one all the time, talking about the, the nature and the state of our nation, don't we? If my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. You can pray all you want. You can seek all you want. But you cannot turn from your wicked ways if you are not humble. Charlie, come up here, please, real quick. The first thing that has to happen is humility, humbleness. Otherwise, this is a list of things to do. You don't do just some and not all. Now, Charlie... How old are you? 24. I'm 51. Don't be laughing at me back there. You older than I am. Mm-hmm. How tall are you? 5'8". I'm 6'1". How much you weigh? Yeah, he knows. 180. 180. Oh, married life's good to Charlie. Been married two years? I've been married 20 a year? A little over a year. Coming up on two come May. And I've been married 22, ain't I, sweetie? And I'm 280. I got 100 pounds on Charlie. And I fought a lot of bad guys. I got a black belt in Taekwondo. I've been in some scraps. I probably could take him if I had to. Unless he took off running, then I'd die of a heart seizure. That'd be that. But can you, let me show you something. You want to know what humility is? Now I ask you, is there any way I can defend myself against Charlie if he goes to attack me? No, because he's really ruling over me now. There's nothing I can do. That's what humility is. And that's what we do with God. And with the word of God. We have to humble ourselves. Something got you upset this morning? Something got you upset over the last two months? Something got you upset over the last two years? Or the last 20 years? Can I tell you something? The good Lord says, it happened for a reason. And I'm growing your character. Don't run from it. And then you humble yourself. Then you can seek his face. Because if you're not humble, you really don't want to seek his face. You only want what he wants to tell you. What you want to hear, not what he wants to tell you. And prayer, does it really mean anything? Oh, we can pray for Danny because he's sick or Willie or Margaret because she's sick and God will hear it because that's for them. We pray for ourselves sometimes. If you don't humble yourself, you're not doing a whole lot. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't humble yourselves and let the Word of God rule in your life, you will not 
turn from your wicked ways. And what is wicked ways? It's not the liquor store. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm not saying it's not. It's not just the liquor store, the drugs, the, you know, the stuff we like to throw out. No, it's the stuff that gets inside of our heart and turns us away from our brothers and sisters. That is a wicked way. And it is not something that God approves of. Okay? So I wonder this morning, come up and play a little bit of music, something, something easy and soft, please. I wonder this morning, did you walk in here carrying something that you need to get rid of? We can hide from reality, but it doesn't change reality. Amen? And I'm going to tell you this morning, I know. Not specifically, but I know that by, by this message, because I wasn't going to preach this morning, was I, Charlie? I feel better now. Because the devil didn't want me coming. I already asked him, Charlie, can you preach this morning? Boy, you talk about being instant in season. He said, if you need me to, Pastor, I'm up. Because God wanted somebody, and maybe all of you this morning, to hear this message. Maybe you need it in your heart, and maybe you need it in your life. And maybe you know somebody that does need it. And maybe you don't have the courage to take it if you don't, not the one that needs it. Maybe you don't have the courage to take it to who does. I can tell you where you can get courage this morning. It's right here at this altar with the Lord. He can help you face anything that you're facing. But you've got to get on your knees first. And understand that the things that we're dealing with, He is molding us into the character of Christ. Do you believe that this morning? He loves you so much, He wants you to be like Jesus. And when stuff comes our way, He is trying to make us more like Jesus. It's not popular, is it, Chuck? It's popular in heaven, though. That's where it's popular at. It's popular with the Father. And I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit will touch each and every heart that's in this place this morning. And that maybe 25% got through. Because He's wanting to do something in your life this morning. He's wanting to cut the chains loose that's holding you back. Maybe you said things to people that you shouldn't have said. And now they're offended. You need to go say, I'm sorry. They need to also say, you know what, I'm sorry too because I don't need to be offended. Because the Word gives us something. He don't let nobody off of this hook. If you know that a brother has an heart against you, you go to him. But if you know that you got something against somebody, guess what you do? You go to them. That's how it works. That is the way, and that is the only way to get out of the place of offense. And if you're sitting there offended this morning, if you don't deal with it and you don't deal with it that way, what you're dealing with and the uncomfort that you have and the misery that you got in your life, it's going to be that way tomorrow. And it's going to be that way next week. And it'll be that way 10 years from now. You can pick up and go somewhere else you want. You can go to Paraguay and live if you want. I guarantee you when you learn the language and you get there, the devil's going to throw the same curveball to trip you up 9,000 miles away. 
That's exactly what he does. Won't you come this morning?